everybody and welcome back to the free ball and fantasy football podcast i'm your host at michael shizzle on twitter follow us at free ball and ff pod for all of your fantasy twitter needs um it's just me today jackson and i had a long week um and uh you know what that's why we didn't have the preview pod either because we both had a really long week and um, I'm in a job transition right now, and we we live super far away from each other, too. Like, I drive probably 40 minutes to get to his place um, to record. So I do that for you people, so twice a week. So um, just know that I love you. Um, but we both had a really busy week, and then, you know, with the election, and he's in his master's class finishing up, and there's a lot of stuff going on. So we were unable to do the preview pod this week, so sorry about that. Um, but hopefully we can alleviate your stressful, anxious life with uh, a little bit of fantasy football here. Uh, we were unable to get together tonight, obviously, and it just so happens that I am the one who has the equipment. So that is why I'm coming to you solo and not Jackson, because um, he'd be on here if he could. You know, he loves doing this show, and we love doing it together. So sorry about that. We're hoping to minimize how often this happens um, as much as possible. As you all know, we are an up-and-coming podcast. This is our first season, so we thank you for the support thus far, and thank you for bearing with us through our rockier segments of time and whatnot. Um, so I'll just do a quick little sum-up of what we would have done on the preview pod. We both went over in the touchdown draft, which is never fun. I was 1-2 and two in gambling. Jackson was 2-1, and one, so... Touchdown draft, I'm now 500 on the season, which is not where I wanted to be after starting off 4-0. Um, but I hold a two-touchdown lead on Jackson, who's 6-10. and 10. And then I pulled to 500 in gambling, which is nice, although my bank account would reflect otherwise. And uh, Jackson is at 14-10. and 10. I'm 3-5 and five on locks. He's 4-4. Four and four. So we're pretty neck-and-neck neck in all of our categories. Um, and you know what, guys? I'm just going to jump right into this week eight preview because y'all got busy lives. It's already Friday afternoon, so I just I want to get you guys what you came here for. So let's jump right into it, okay? We're going to start with bye weeks. Bengals, Browns, Rams, Eagles are all on bye. So the state of Ohio, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Philadelphia Eagles Quick little recap from last night. Uh, we had the Packers give a nice whomping to the 49ers. Um, the score was salvaged 34-17, kind of salvaged in garbage time. 49ers managed to grab a couple of touchdowns in the end of the game there. But it was 34-3 when I left the bar. So that's pretty, um, pretty tough to watch, honestly, from the defending NFC champions who are now 4-5. and five. I would say... They're in the toughest division in football, and now they have to punt, I think, on the season um, because, you know, they had 71% of their entire offense was on the COVID list for the Thursday night game. I don't know why they didn't move that game because most of these guys literally got activated today. Like, they're, they're eligible to come back. So if it had to do with TV televising rights and, like, Thursday night football making their money, that honestly pisses me off because this league is not about – that 
And, you know, the 49ers had to put a subpar product out on the field against a very good Green Bay Packers team on national on the national stage simply to save television rights while 71% of their offense was on the COVID list, which is absolutely wild to me. So um, I hope that didn't have any part in it, but I'm pretty sure that did. So shout out to the NFL uh, for always hoarding money and not thinking about their fans or their players as much as their pockets. Um, yeah, and I hate the refs too, but not this game was fine. I just I love to add that I hate the refs. Um, Aaron Jones, 15 carries for 58 yards, not a super big day. Uh, Tyler Irvin looked really good carrying the ball, and uh, they were Aaron Jones was kind of a game time. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Decisions. So the fact that he got 15 carries is honestly kind of remarkable because they went up so early they didn't need to give him the ball even once. So. Um, seeing him get 15 carries is a very, uh, good thing for the future. Um, going forward, you don't, you know, kind of puts your mind at ease about his injury. And, uh, worth noting, Richie James, wide receiver for the 49ers. Mind you, the 49ers were down, um, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Kendrick Bourne. They released Dante Pettis, like, last week, so he got picked up off waivers by the Giants. So Richie James, I'm not sure if he was on the roster before or if they pulled him from the practice squad or what, but he had nine receptions for 184 yards, and he ended up getting one of those two garbage-time touchdowns, um, which is kind of crazy. I mean, anyone who you know gets that kind of work is probably going to produce. Uh, the guy had 13 targets, though, nine receptions on 13 targets, uh, he, including a 47-yard reception. Um, I don't know. I mean, might he work in as part of the offense and become a piece? Maybe. I mean, the 49ers haven't had a lot of receiver depth. You know, they had Debo and Ayuk's a rookie and Kendrick Bourne's been pretty underwhelming. You know, they released Pettis, who was supposed to be, you know, the next big thing a couple of years ago, and he's consistently underperformed. So, you know, keep an eye on Richie James. I mean, I'm not telling you to pick him up or anything, but he might be part of an offense going forward because he seems to have rapport with Nick Mullins. Um, who's going to be throwing the ball, it looks like, for the foreseeable future. Jimmy G's struggling with this injury. If they're going to punt on the season, they might move on from Jimmy G. They might not want him to get hurt. Either way, um, just someone to keep an eye on for sure. Um, but let's jump into matchup number one here. We have the Denver Broncos visiting Atlanta. Um, you know what, guys? I'm going to be super transparent because this is a transparent podcast. I just got a call from a client who I'm trying to sell a house to. So I'm going to do a quick pause, and then uh, we will jump into this matchup, and you'll miss no time at all. Yo, technology is mad cool. I have been on the phone for the better part of an hour now, and you guys think I just kept talking, which is fun. <laughs> uh, but we're back here, so I was on the Broncos-Falcons game. Yep, Atlanta's favored by four points at home, and the over-under is 50. Um... I don't look, I don't really get the favoring of the Falcons in this game, if we're being honest. They haven't done anything to impress me all season. You know, they beat the Panthers last Thursday night, but, you know, I don't want to call the Panthers a fraud, but they're not exactly the most, you know, intimidating um, football team right now. They're two and six. Uh, they've been better since Dan Quinn got fired, but they're still not 
you know, connecting things. They have the worst defense possibly I've ever seen next to maybe the Cowboys. Um, yeah, I mean, a four-point favorite's kind of crazy. Jackson picked the Broncos for this game. I'm going to pick them as well. Uh, they have the number one, they being the Broncos, have the number one rushing defense in the NFL. Uh, a lot of people don't know that because they're three and four, and they've kind of been pretty doo-doo on offense. But the Broncos have the number one rush defense in the NFL, and the Falcons are a high-powered offense, but they've been relying on Todd Gurley a lot and giving him a lot of touches. And also, you know, Brian Hill gets some love and some work. Um, it's funny, Atlanta fans are actually kind of split on, uh, like, who their preference is. Like, there's a lot of people who think Todd Gurley's a waste and Brian Hill should get work. But, I mean, the lowest amount of carries that Todd Gurley's had all season is 14. He's had it twice. One time it was against Chicago, which is a very good defense. And, uh, I'm sorry, three times. Once was against Seattle, um, which was week one, so that kind of makes sense. And then um, against Carolina as well. But he had 121 uh, rushing yards in that game, so he was super efficient, 8.6 yards per carry. And then other than that, he's around 20, 18, 20, 23, 21, uh, 116 thrown in there, another 21. So he's getting a ton of work on the ground, and I just I see this being a super inefficient running game for – Todd Gurley, especially considering his last three games, he's averaged 2.4, 2.7, and 2.6 yards per carry. And that was against Minnesota, Detroit, and Carolina. Those are not three really good rushing defenses. Those are barely three decent rushing defenses. And now he's playing the number one rushing defense in the league. I wouldn't be surprised if he was held under two yards per carry in this game, and he'll probably get 15 or so attempts and uh, he's going to disappoint you. He's actually my must-sit um, this week, Todd Gurley, which is kind of crazy because he's the expert consensus rank running back nine right now, which just boggles my mind that we have you know, pros in this industry who look at this and go, yeah, Todd Gurley's going to be RB9 this week. Um, that makes absolutely no sense. Um, additionally, he had zero targets last week through the passing game, so they kind of weaned off him in the passing game a little bit too. Um, the most targets he's had in a game is five, so he's hasn't really been part of the passing game in general all season. You know, very minimal. You know, the most receptions he's had four. He had a couple games with two. So I'm pretty out on Todd Gurley this game. Um, I know I kind of jumped over there because I started talking about the Broncos defense, but this is the danger of doing a podcast alone. So make sure you have a co-host uh, if you want to start a show. But anyway, so me and Jackson are both picking the Broncos uh, because of that defense. I think the Falcons are going to throw the ball a lot. Um, and without Calvin Ridley, it looks like, um, obviously, you're starting Julio Jones. He's been phenomenal. Uh, you can start Matt Ryan because Julio Jones is on the field. You know, that's our rule 11, as we'll call it. And without Ridley, um, Gage doesn't seem to thrive unless that offense is firing on all cylinders, so I wouldn't touch him. Maybe Hayden Hurst as a tight end stream because, you know, he got seven targets last week or eight targets last week, seven receptions. Um, I'm pulling that from my head, so let me check that to make sure I'm not just pulling that out of my butt. But, um, you know, we talk about this tight end landscape all the time, and um, with Calvin Ridley, the number one red zone option, missing, okay, five receptions on seven targets last week uh, for 54. So that's not even a stat line you're upset about. He's the expert consensus ranking tight end nine uh, going into this week. Um in this climate of tight ends, 
you know, Hayden Hurst is not a bad option with Calvin Ridley off the field especially. So I'm not a Hayden Hurst guy, but uh, you could fire him up this week and be pretty happy about it. Um, on the Broncos' side of the ball, you have uh, Drew Locke. He was doing things. He looked pretty good in the second half of that game. He's playing this abysmal Falcons secondary. And I don't hate Drew Locke as a streamer this week, if I'm being completely honest. Um, Jerry Judy finally had what looked like a fairly productive game. Uh, Tim Patrick is trending towards being back, last I checked, and Noah Fant is healthy. So I don't hate Drew Locke. I like the receiving options for the Broncos. Um, not much more than a you know low-end. Ju- Jerry Judy is like a wide receiver three. Um, if Tim Patrick plays, he is as well. Um, KJ Hamler's not much more than a uh, flex play. But um, Noah Fant is uh, a locked and loaded tight end one, I'd say. This is a good matchup for him as a tight end as well. Um, but, yeah, we're uh, me and Jackson both taking the Broncos here. And uh, we're going to keep rolling right along. We have my beloved New York Giants visiting the Washington football team. I just almost said the forbidden name, LOL. It's, it's just a habit, guys. It's been years, you know. Um, Jackson picked Washington to win. I'm going to pick the Giants, man. Look, nobody – I didn't get to give them their love because we didn't have a, a recap app, which is our own fault. But, dude, they hung with the Bucks. And to be honest, I'm going to rant as a fan here for a minute. They should have won. You know? Like, look, Daniel Jones needs to make plays. We know this. I'm not, I'm not excusing him from his responsibility in the team's win. He needs to make throws. He needs to calm down in the pocket. He needs to know when to throw the ball away and when to not throw it at all. Look, he's going to make those adjustments or he's not. I'm not taking that away. But there was four really, really, really bad calls in this game. And I know it's so easy to be like, oh, here's the fan blaming the refs. But, like, we all know that the refs are bad sometimes. And they were bad, okay? That, like, the, the notion that a flag should not be called because you don't want to record or reward quarterbacks. I heard this. Someone said, you don't want to set the precedent that a quarterback throwing behind their receiver gets rewarded with a flag. Um, that makes no sense. I don't care if the throw was late. It was catchable, and it was on target, and he was interfered with. And then on top of it, Bleacher reports, like, sucking off the the defender because he's, you know, DPOY candidate. And it's like, that's fine. He's a great player, but let's not act like he made some heroic play. Um, you know, he interfered with it and got away with it. And it, it was painful to see the open men um, that Daniel Jones had. And I'm going to hop off my soapbox, but the Giants very, very barely lost this game. Two-point conversion would have taken it to OT. Um, and on top of it, you know, Daniel Jones had four different times where Darius Slayton was wide open if he had kept his head on his first read for a second longer um, for, you know, a 60-yard touchdown or whatever. So anyway, the Giants' defense looked great against a very good Tampa Bay offense. I understand Chris Godwin wasn't out there, but I don't really care, okay? This team has been rolling, and the Giants put a halt to them in prime time, all right? This is a good Giants team with a very bad record. And when I say good, I don't mean good like good compared to the Seahawks or um, the Cardinals or the Saints. or I, I mean good in that they're a football team. They're not the Jets. They're not embarrassing. 
They put a decent product on the field. They're young players. They're learning. They're adapting. They're growing. And I think they're one step away, to be honest. I think next year is going to be very telling for the New York, New York football Giants. But anyway, I'm going to take the Giants. Jackson's going to take the, the football team. Um, on the Giants' side of the ball, it's tough to start a running back here. Devontae Freeman was ruled out again. Looks like Wayne Gallman is getting the work. So you could start him and hope he falls into the end zone. He'd be a very bottom RB2 play at that point, but he's more of a desperation flex option, in my opinion. Deion Lewis gets the targets, and, you know, for what it's worth, he caught the touchdown pass in the beginning of the game, and he got the two-point conversion thrown his way. So maybe maybe something there, but outside of the end zone, he doesn't even get used ever. He's in there for blitz pickups and whatnot. So it's Wayne Goleman, if it's anybody. Alfred Morris had eight carries, which is just weird, but... Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch that backfield. Uh, Sterling Shepard came back and instantly had an impact. Um, you know, you can tell he is the, the first read on all plays that don't involve going downfield. Uh, Darius Slayton's the big play guy, and he's the long pass guy. But, you know, Sterling Shepard had 10 targets in his first, I'm sorry, second game back. Um, he made an impact his first game back at Phil. I'm all wonked out because we skipped a week. So, like, I feel like he just came back. But, um, you know, 10 targets, 8 receptions. That's a nice little floor there. Um, very, very safe. You know, he ended up with 74 yards. So in a PPR, that's 15.4 points. Like, that's a, that's a really solid game. In a half PPR, it's 11.4. So it's, it's nice and safe. Um, so I think Shepard is the preferred option. But if you need a boom, Slayton's the option. Um, but this is a good Washington defense. And a Washington defense that's getting better. They're going to force turnovers. So... Uh, Keep that in mind when you're choosing Giants to play. On the other side of the ball, um, obviously you want Antonio Gibson, I think, in this game against a uh, Giants defense that, although I just made the case for why they're playing pretty well, um, have been rather lackluster against the running back, the pass-catching back, um, which brings J.D. McKissick into play too. Um, Look, I heard this thing from a beat reporter and it makes a lot of sense. Antonio Gibson is not getting the, (coughs) forgive me. Um, That was awful. Um, (laughs) Antonio Gibson is not getting the lion's share of the targets because he is really bad at blitz pickups. And because he's bad at blitz pickups, J.D. McKissick is on the field during those passing downs, which means he's getting the dump-off work. And that's why we're seeing J.D. McKissick's numbers inflated. Keep that in mind. Um, The Giants have been putting pressure on the quarterback. There's a chance we see a lot of J.D. McKissick. But I think Antonio Gibson is getting a bigger and bigger role every week. And I think if you start McKissick over Gibson, you're mad at yourself. So I would fire up Gibson, and obviously you're firing up Terry McLaurin, who is shown he's matchup proof. We talked about this last time the football team played the Giants. Uh, I was worried about the James Bradbury matchup. Riverboat Ron found creative ways to get him involved, get him um, to not be shadowed by Bradbury, who's still a top five PFF corner, but he has declined a little bit from his very hot start. Um, I'm not tripping, honestly. You're starting Terry Mack and you're happy about it. Kyle Allen's not a bad stream, although after watching what Tom Brady did against the Giants defense, I would say there's probably better options. Um, I love both defenses this week because the Giants offense is susceptible to turnovers and um, 
that's good for the Washington defense, and the Giants' defense has been hot, and the Washington offense is young and inexperienced, and I think they're both very good plays. The over-under is only 43. Washington's favored by two and a half points. Um, so do with that what you will, but I think both defenses are good plays. I'm taking the Giants. Jackson's taking Washington. And we are moving right along to the next game. We have the Seahawks, three-point favorites visiting the Bills. Um, Over-under is 55. Now, Seattle is pretty simple. You're starting Russ. You're starting DK. You're starting Lockett. You're starting Carson if he's healthy. Um, It doesn't look like he's going to play, but we will find out shortly. Um, If Carson is not playing, you're starting DJ Dallas, in my opinion. DJ Dallas had a really good game filling in. Um, He was inefficient on the ground, but he had a great fantasy game because he scored two touchdowns. And that's the thing with the Seahawks offense is guys score, you know, and DJ Dallas is probably going to score if he's on the field at least once. So you're firing up DJ Dallas as a RB2. Um, on the Bills' side of the ball, the Seahawks' defense is so incredibly awful that I'm excited for Josh Allen, who has now been outside the top 15 four weeks in a row. You know, I was wrong about my prediction that he'd have a bounce-back game last week. Is finally going to get right. John Brown's healthy. Cole Beasley's out there. Stephon Diggs. Let's hope Josh Allen can get redialed in. His true throw value has plummeted um, since his very hot start when he looked like an MVP candidate. So, Maybe let's hope he can bounce back here. I don't see why not. This is probably going to be a shootout type of game. Um, This is tough. I'm going to take the Seahawks because, you know, they lost that game to the Cardinals. Division games are always a little different. It's prime time. You know, Cardinals are at home. Um, But, you know, then I picked against them last week against the Niners, and they shut me up. So I'm going to have to ride the Seahawks train. But I think the Bills have a good game here. Um Bill's backfield, one thing I wanted to mention here as well. This is Jackson's start of the week, actually, is Zach Moss in this game. Um, Zach Moss looks better than Devin Singletary, um, and he's definitely the goal line guy. And in a split backfield where the talent is similar, that's what you want. You want that guy who's going to get the goal line carries. Um, Singletary doesn't look bad, but they're just not using him, and he doesn't look great, so... At this point, they have such an even type of split that it's hard to even imagine um, trusting him really at all at this point until he shows you something different. So uh, fire up Zach Moss. Um, I wouldn't play Singletary. I would look elsewhere if you can. Um, You've probably struggled having him in the lineup anyway, so it's not a huge ask to find a different way to set your lineup. So. Singletary, no, Moss, yes, Jackson's must-start of the week. Obviously, he was impressed with Zach Moss's performance last week, and I would have to concur. Um, I'm going to take the Seahawks to win this game, like I said, and we got Jackson lined up for the Seahawks as well. So we're both going to agree on this game. And we are going to move right along to Nashville, Tennessee, where the Titans are favored six and a half points over the Five and three Bears. The over-under is 46 and a half. Um, I'm done betting on the Bears. I'm taking the Titans, plain and simple. Um, I finally came around, and I was like, you know what? I'll take the Bears. And Jackson agrees with me. He's also betting against his home team, Bears. Um, Titans offense is firing on all cylinders. Um, 
Johnny Smith has been disappointing, which we all know and can see and understand. Um, it's tough. Look, Corey Davis has been – he was the number four overall pick uh, when he was selected, and this is now his fourth season, I believe, fifth season. Um and he just hasn't broken out. And it looks like he might finally be. And I think the solution may have been he needed two things. He needed a quarterback who was capable of throwing the ball accurately and well and running an offense. Marcus Mariota was not that. Shout out to Tim. I know you're listening. He No, Marcus Mariota is a bad quarterback. I'm sorry. He's not good. Um, Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback. So that was piece number one. I think for me, piece number two is he couldn't be the number one guy in the field. You know, some guys are just like that. They don't thrive as the number one guy. They're much better when the attention is off them a little bit, and they can be the number two. And I think Corey Davis is that. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you Corey Davis is a, you know, top receiver option going forward, but he's – there's certainly much, much worse dart throws. I wouldn't call him a desperation flex play. I'd call him a wide receiver three play. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if you have Corey Davis and you've been playing him, you've been happy. He has more targets and receptions on this season than A.J. Brown. Now, I know A.J. Brown was out for a while, um, but still, I mean, Corey Davis is playing well. So, uh, I think you got to keep firing him up. Obviously, you're starting A.J. Brown every single week. Um, please don't argue that with me. There's no reason not to start A.J. Brown. That guy's a monster. Um, and then Johnny Smith, like, it's tough because we've seen him. It's not just flashes. Like, we've seen him consistently be good for weeks this year. And with the way the landscape is, I don't see how you can pivot off him um, unless you have a, another good option. Like, if you're just going to roll out Hayden Hurst, like, you might as well start Jonu Smith. You know what I mean? Um, so fire up Jonu Smith, and obviously you're starting Derrick Henry. Um, I would stream away from Tannehill this week if possible. Okay, I'm struggling with this, right? The Bears have allowed the fewest fantasy points to the quarterback this season. If I'm not mistaken, that's another stat from my head. But uh, they're at least top five. And Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback. He's been very efficient. He has all his weapons out this week. But he is playing this Bears team who has been stifling quarterbacks. So on one hand, I want to say, you know what? He's matchup proof at this point. You play him every week. On the other hand, if you have a better stream option, I wouldn't blame you. So I'm going to Leave that one up to user preference. I'm not going to give an opinion either way. I will be starting Tannehill in my most important league. Um, I don't have a better option, and I'm not worried about it either. So there's both sides of that coin. Um, to the Bears' side of the ball, David Montgomery is awful. I don't know why people still – I hate the, the narrative of a guy with opportunity you have to start. Not if they if they don't produce, okay? David Montgomery is one of the most inefficient running backs I have ever seen. He does not look good carrying the ball. He gets tackled by people's fingers. It seems like it's just, he's horrendous. And he's the expert consensus rank RB11. Um, he's got 3.8 yards per carry on the season. 3.8. And he has one touchdown. I don't understand how that puts him in an RB1 category. Like, yards per attempt by week, 4.9 against Detroit, 5.1 against the Giants, 3.2, 2.7, 2.9, 3.1, 3.4. I, 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 don't, I don't see the appeal. 
Um, he doesn't even get as much work as pe- people make it sound like he gets 20 carries a game. Um, 13, 16, 14, 10, 10, 19, 14, 21. Um, he's not good, yo. He's had two games, sorry, three games over 10 half PPR fantasy points. Three out of eight. And those games were 18, 11, and 10 and a half. Like, it's not, he's not doing anything. I do not like David Montgomery. You're probably stuck starting him and hoping he scores 10 points, but not a good place to be. I would try to trade him to someone who thinks they can capitalize on his, um, his opportunity. Um, on the other hand, Allen Robinson is an incredible player and talent, and this Bears schedule going forward is so juicy. I would Allen Robinson is an excellent trade target. Going forward, they have the Titans this week, obviously, and then it's the Vikings, the Packers, the Lions, the Texans, the Vikings again, the Jaguars, and the Packers again. There is not one secondary on that team, on that uh, list, that's frightening. The only thing it would be the shadow coverage from Jair Alexander um, on b- both of those Packers games. But Allen Robinson, if anyone's matchup proof at this point, it's Allen Robinson. Not only is he matchup proof, he's quarterback proof. He has not had a good quarterback for years now, and he continues to be a top receiver in the NFL. So shout out to Allen Robinson. Fire him up. You're not playing Nick Foles. Um, Darnell Mooney is an interesting flyer against a very bad Titans secondary. Uh, I don't hate it. He's getting over five targets a game. He hasn't had less than five targets in a game since he started playing. Um, It's tough. I mean, he's a flex play, probably maybe a wide receiver three play, but low end, and he's going to be touchdown dependent, I think. I don't think he's going to produce a whole lot on his own individual merit. Um, so yeah, Jimmy Graham, again, tight end landscape's bad. I streamed him last week, hoping he'd do something and he didn't. Jackson was right. I'll give him that one. Um, he was like, I want nothing to do with him, even though I read him his Jimmy Graham's target share for the last however many weeks. Um, two for seven, two receptions on seven targets. So he's getting targets, but he's not catching passes. You know, he had 1.3 fantasy points is terrible. And the last three weeks, 1.3, 3.1, 3.4. If he gets a touchdown, he gets nine. Or He had one week with 18, two weeks with nine. Every other week's been a dud. So, scream at your own risk. Um, he's the expert consensus ranked tight end 15 this week. So, they don't like the matchup. I don't either. It's kind of a desperation play. But you do you. Um, on a side note about the Bears, Jackson was telling me about this conspiracy. He was really looking forward to talking about it. But basically, Mitch played one play, and then hurt his arm. And uh, it's a, quote, nagging injury. And apparently there's this conspiracy that it's not actually an injury, and Matt Nagy just doesn't want to move on from Foles. So he is conspiring with this injury in order to not have to move on from Foles to back to Trubisky. So interesting stuff there. Uh, We'll talk about it more next week. I'll give Jackson the floor to... uh, Discuss the spiracies, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I got Titans winning this game. Um, so does Jackson. And we will move right along to the Ravens and the Colts. 
in Indianapolis, the former Baltimore team versus the current Baltimore team. Um, this line is even, which I think is absolutely wild, and uh, the over-under is 48. Now, I know the Ravens low-key got exposed um, by the Steelers, but, you know, it was still a close game. It was 28-24, to and uh, they came within one play of winning it. So, um, And now they're playing the Colts, who are not nearly as good of a team as the Steelers. Um, and we talked about the Colts a little bit last week, too. I, I listed off the teams they played against and who the quarterbacks were. And they hadn't really played, like, a reputable quarterback yet, um, in, or at least one that they would be proud of beating. You know what I mean? So I think this is going to be a big test for the Colts, but I'm also low on Lamar Jackson. So we'll see how this all goes. Uh, obviously, the Colts, as of right now, have a revered defense. The Ravens do as well. Over-under is 48. Um, I don't think I'm going to touch this line. I'm not sure how I feel about it, to be completely honest. Uh, we'll start with the Ravens' side of the ball. Um, that backfield is getting clearer because Mark Ingram is out with a high ankle sprain that he's struggling with, and for good measure because Mark Ingram has been playing awful, and he is bogging that whole backfield down because he's stealing production and he's not doing anything with it. Um, Gus Edwards is playing really well, and J.K. Dobbins looks absolutely incredible. Um, I just traded for J.K. Dobbins. Um, I traded Zeke and... I made like three different trades, four different trades in the span of an hour. Um, and I went from Zeke and Mike Davis, who I ran out of, and George Kittle, who was out for the season. And I ended up with, and Justin Jefferson. And I ended up with J.K. Dobbins, Damian Harris, um, DeAndre Hopkins. And then I got Tyler Higby thrown in just to have a semi-playable tight end. So, um yeah, and you know what? I feel really good about J.K. Dobbins' rest of season. Um, he got 15 attempts last week. He ran for 113 yards. That's seven and a half yards a carry, and he didn't score a touchdown, and he had 12.1 fantasy points. So, um, And that's against Pittsburgh, guys. That, like, that's the number one defense in the league. Like, This is easy, and that's splitting time, too. Like, fire up J.K. Dobbins against Pittsburgh, and you know, I would even go as far to say you could probably fire up Gus Edwards, too. Um, he has been playing pretty well, especially, you know, taking on a bigger role than anyone expected, and he was never the first name anyone ever thought of, but he had 16 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown, 14.7 fantasy points. Again, against Pittsburgh. They ran all over Pittsburgh, yo. They're the best running offense in the National Football League, and it shows every single week. Um, sorry, that's my computer dinging at me. Um... But, yeah, I mean, you can fire up either of these guys and feel good about it. Um, I, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Lamar is a different story. He is, guys, he's not good. I'm sorry. And I don't mean he's not good like he's not talented. I mean he's not good like he's not good for your fantasy team, yo. He is the quarterback 14 on the season. You drafted this guy. If you took him, you took him in the second or the third round, which is already way too high for any quarterback. I don't care who you are. You are drafting at absolute ceiling, and if you get anything less, you're disappointed. Um, he completed 46% of his passes, 13 for 28, and he barely cracked 200 yards through two touchdowns and two picks. He took four sacks, and he ran the ball 16 times for only 65 yards. Um... And he fumbled twice, guys. 
I don't know. I, I'm out. I'm out on Lamar Jackson. I've been saying this. Um, you know, he's failed to crack 20 points four times. He's been outside the top 16 four times. He's only been a top 10 three times. Um, I'm out on Lamar, and I have been out on Lamar. And I think you can always find better players to play than Lamar. His true throw value is garbaggio, and the poor guy, you know, he has this huge expectation of him because he comes off this MVP season, and he's got a 9% touchdown percentage, which is crazy. And, you know, you can't expect that to continue. And this is why if you listen to me at all in the preseason, I told you not to draft him because even if he repeated his MVP season, he was barely going to be worth where you were taking him. So if you are still playing Lamar, I think it's time to pivot, yo. Like, we're halfway through the season now. I don't see this changing. I'm not saying to drop him to waivers, but I think it's time. You know, if you could stream – um, let me just look back at the games we've already talked about. You know, if you could stream Drew Locke this week with a chance to pop off against the Falcons instead of Lamar – with a chance, you know, we just saw what he did last week against a, a, a good defense. I would do that. You know, I'd take that shot, especially since because if you have Lamar on your team, you're probably not winning, which means you have upside shots. And I understand the narrative of, um, you know, Lamar can win you a week and he's so talented and he could, you know, run for 200 yards and four touchdowns and whatever. And yes, he could do all that, but he hasn't done it at all, all year. He has not proven that he can do that this year. So why are you going to keep rolling him out there with the potential to, quote, win you a week when he's been losing you weeks all year? I hate that. Like, if you're 5-3, and three, maybe, like, you keep running with him. But if you have a losing record, there's no reason to keep rolling Lamar Jackson out there. You have to play smarter if you want to make a run um, and if you want to shake things up. So that's my take on Lamar. Um, he was my must-sit, but I, I decided to go with uh, Todd Gurley instead after doing my, my homework a little bit. Um, and because of the way he's passing, you know, you can't play Marquise Brown. Um, I'm sure you saw it in the news. He was talking about, you know, he tweeted something and then he deleted it, but he's like, you know, why do you have soldiers on your team if you don't even use them? And uh, Marquise Brown... I've been saying it, you know, he's a boomer bust, inefficient, deep throw guy. And on top of this, Lamar is not playing well. He's not viable. You shouldn't play him. You have no reason to play him. Could he win you a week? Maybe, maybe once or twice a year. But do you want to start him every single week with the hope that you'll find the week when he does it? I, I mean, I don't. And that week is not going to be against the Indianapolis Colts either, who have a good defense until proven otherwise. So let's, uh, let's not start Marquise Brown. Um... I'd, I would rather start uh, Willie Sneed because he seems to catch more touchdowns than Marquise Brown at this point. Um, and that leaves us with Mark Andrews, who has been probably the most underwhelming tight end of the season. And he's somehow still tight end five. If that doesn't tell you about our tight end landscape, I don't know. I don't know what will, yo. Um, Mark Andrews, man, he's... he's Okay, so last year, right, when, when Lamar was throwing 9% touchdowns and was super efficient, Mark Andrews was playing like 40% of the snaps. He was only on the field for scoring plays. And for what it's worth, he did his job. 
But now, he's still not playing all those snaps. He's on the field for passing plays, and Lamar is a bad passer right now. You know, he's had 6-3-8-3, targets on the season, so decent tight end numbers. The, the two threes and the four are a little alarming for someone who's supposed to be, quote, Lamar's favorite target. But, yo, like, listen to these, these fantasy outputs. He had 20 in week one. Then he had 3.4, And you guessed it, the weeks where he has good numbers, he had one or two touchdowns. So he, he comes down to the touchdown, and he is going to disappoint you. You know, he's not George Kittle, and he's not Travis Kelsey. He's not on that level. He is just like every other tight end in the field. So start with caution, and I would, I would exercise caution and matchup caution with Mark Andrews, and I don't think this is the matchup to, to start Mark Andrews. Like, if you have – there's a good chance, like, you could have Jonu Smith on your team as well if you have Mark Andrews because Jonu Smith was pretty much undrafted. I would start Mark – or. I would start Johnny Smith over Mark Andrews this week. I would start TJ Hawkinson over Mark Andrews this week. I would start Hayden Hurst even probably over Mark Andrews this week. It's tough. I'd start Gronk over Mark Andrews. I'd start Jared Cook over Mark Andrews. So just something to keep in mind. Um, Mark Andrews has been do very, very bad. Um, to the Colts side of the ball, we have another messed up backfield. We have Jonathan Taylor, who was a little bit hurt last week. We didn't really know what we were going to get from him. Um, I'm sorry, we don't know what we're going to get from him. That was kind of a shock to everybody um, when what's-his-nuts. I can never think of this guy's name, and it drives me crazy. Um, shoot. Jordan Wilkins, that's his name. Um, Jordan Wilkins, we didn't expect him to do a thing, and he had an excellent day, although, again, inefficient and buoyed by touchdowns. Um, and then there's Naheem Hines, who was once again a part of this offense. And not for nothing, Jonathan Taylor has not even been good all year. You know, we expected when Marlon Mack went down that Jonathan Taylor was going to get this huge workload and that you won the lottery if you had Jonathan Taylor on your team and it was the best draft pick of the year, and he's been incredibly disappointing. So I'm going to be honest, against this Ravens defense, I don't like any of them. I understand you probably, if you have Taylor, you have to start him. Um, I don't want to start Jordan Wilkins this week. Um, maybe if Taylor's out, he's not the worst RB2 play. And, uh, you know, I'd rather go with Hines because he seems to catch passes and touchdowns. Um, I know he hasn't consistently done that all year, but if one of them's going to do it, it's Hines. So that's my take on the backfield there. The wide receivers are abysmal. Um, and they get most of their offensive production from the tight end, which is ironic because they use three of them. And just when you think you have them figured out, they change it up on you. You know, we thought Trey Burton was the guy, and then Jack Doyle scores a touchdown, and now Mo Ali Cox is getting work again, and who the hell knows? You can't start any of them, but that's kind of the offense. Uh, if you're going to start a receiver, it's Zach Pascal, but you're not really happy with it. Um, Michael Pittman returned to the field, didn't get much work, but he's back, so somebody to keep an eye on. Um, but, yeah, honestly... I don't want to start any Colts, like zero. So take that for what it's worth. I'm going to pick the Ravens to win. Jackson says the same. Um, 
in Indianapolis. So there you go. We have the Colts moving to 5-3 and three and the Ravens to 6-2. and two. So we'll see how that goes. And we will jump to the next game. We have the Panthers visiting Arrowhead. The Chiefs are favored by 10.5, and, and the over-under is 53. Um, after watching this Panthers team get absolutely exposed by the Falcons, I have no reason to believe why the Chiefs are not going to stomp the nuts out of this um, Panthers team. Jackson and I both picked the Chiefs to win. Teddy Bridgewater, man, you know, we went from you can stream him against bad teams to you can't, to he's great, to he against bad matchups, to he's not. He had the perfect matchup against the Falcons, and he absolutely shit the bed. Um, th- there's no reason to ever look Teddy Bridgewater's direction again in fantasy as far as I'm concerned. Again, I hate to be such a hater because I do like the guy as a guy. I think he's an awesome human. I just think he's a terrible fantasy player. He's a glorified game manager. 15 for 23 against the Atlanta Falcons. His yards per attempt was seven. He threw one touchdown. He had a pick. Um, and, you know, he took three sacks. Like, uh, I'm not here for it. I'm sorry. Um, he had all his weapons, too. And, um, sorry, I'm going to burp. Usually I do this while Jackson's talking. Podcasting alone's hard, guys. Like, high key. Kind of weird. I feel like I'm talking to nobody, but I'm just, you know, reciting basically the thoughts I have in my head. So we're rolling with it. Um, but yeah, no, get Teddy B out of my face. I don't want to start him. Um, and that means my stock is down on his options too. My stock's down on Robbie a little bit. DJ Moore is boomer bust clearly. And freaking Curtis Samuel, man, catches two touchdowns and has the best day of anybody. I'm sorry, he doesn't catch two touchdowns. He caught one and then he ran one in on like a weird thing. You know, that goes away with Christian McCaffrey returning, which is the big headline of this game. And the only way the Panthers have a chance at competing is if Christian McCaffrey goes ham, which he will. He's activated, and I'm so happy. Um, As much as I enjoyed my Mike Davis fantasy-owning tenure, he was disappointing the last two weeks, and football's better when Christian McCaffrey is playing. So welcome back, Christian McCaffrey. We've missed you. Um, And obviously, you're starting him. You start Robbie. Ah. I guess you can start DJ Moore, but I don't. DJ Moore is the wide receiver 15, guys, which just doesn't make sense to me because he's had four good weeks and four absolute crap-to-bed weeks, and I guess players have just been inconsistent this week because DJ Moore does not seem like someone who's been the wide receiver 15 up to this point in the year, but here we are, DJ Moore wide receiver 15. So um, I guess you're playing him, but... um, this is a tough matchup. The Chiefs have been pretty good against the pass, and uh, I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be. I'm not excited about starting DJ Moore. Like I'll do it, but I'm not excited about it. So keep that in mind. To the Chiefs side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes, you're starting. Tyreek Hill, you're starting. Travis Kelsey, you are starting. Um, Michael Hardman is as good a streamer as anybody. You know he has his zero weeks, and last week he was last two weeks actually he's been. Pretty heavily involved with the team. Um, I don't know. Like, I pick him for a touchdown draft, and he doesn't even get targeted, and then he goes off. So I guess I'm just too smart. I was a week ahead. <laughs> just kidding. But, um, no, I'm sorry. He wasn't heavily involved two weeks ago. He just had a, uh, a couple big plays. But this last week, he had seven receptions on nine targets uh, for 96 yards and a touchdown. So that's a line you're always going to be happy with. Um, that's over 20 fantasy points. 
um, in PPR that's sitting right at the 20 line, 19.1 and a half. So um, if you're a Miko Hardman owner and you played him last week, you're pretty happy with it. Oh, guys, it's been a long week. I'll tell you what. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Miko Hardman, you, you have worse options. In the backfield, this is where it gets tricky because you have Clyde and you have Le'Veon. And Clyde has shown he's allergic to the end zone. Both of these guys are pass catchers. Le'Veon has had a career tendency to score and be a goal line guy. But Clyde's the number one. Who do you start? Who do you not? I think they're going to be pretty even going forward is kind of the conclusion I've come to. I think they're both going to be low-end running back twos, and they'll both be viable. So it sucks, especially if you took Clyde in the first round. It sucks, or you traded a lot for him, but this is where we sit. But I think they're both playable, so play them. Um, and I think that covers the Chiefs, too. So uh, we're both taking the Chiefs to win, and we're moving along. Almost done with the morning slate here, which means we're more than halfway. We have the Lions and the Vikings. There is no line for this game because anytime someone gets COVID, they take the line away, which is so freaking stupid because they don't want to lose money. And it's like, you know what, Vegas? We all lose money at your expense. Put a line up. Okay? Put a line up. That's all I'm going to say. Matt Stafford shouldn't influence a line. That's kind of crappy. Um, but Matt Stafford had a negative test in the offseason, a false positive, I should say. And uh, he was cleared. So there's a chance this is that again. I don't believe he's shown any symptoms. Oh, man. Oh, no. Once you start yawning, you can't stop. It kind of sucks. We will see. I'm not sure if we should expect Matt Stafford to play or not. This game is a total crapshoot for me. I'm picking the Vikings if... You know what? I'm picking the Vikings either way. Kenny Galladay's out. Matt Stafford might not play. The Vikings, although they're 2-5, and just beat the Packers. So... And Dalvin Cook had the game of his life. He scored four touchdowns last week, and I played him in my important league, and I wanted to cry. The good news was I knew from the first game started at 11. I knew from, like, 11.20 that I wasn't going to win, so I didn't have to stress about it all day. So that was kind of nice. I just kind of took the L and moved forward. Um, But, yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings to win. Um, Let me see what... Jackson took, but on the Vikings side of the ball, you're not streaming Kirk Cousins, and Jackson talks about this all the time, and this is exactly why, and I was fooled into thinking he was streamable last week, and then Dalvin Cook takes over the game, and you don't need to stream him, because he dropped back to pass 14 times in an entire game, that's nuts, Kirk, like, that's that's never going to get you a fantasy day, um, I was kind of right, though, to be wary of Jair last week because he ended up shadowing Jajef instead of Adam Thielen and still Adam Thielen was pretty not productive um neither of them were so fire up Dalvin Cook um you can fire up those two guys Thielen and Jefferson because they're playing the Lions now but uh that's the risk you take with Kirk Cousins at quarterback you know guys I am so sorry for all these yawns um I'm just not going to apologize for them again. I'm going to ignore them going forward, but just understand that I'm sorry every time I yawn. <laughs> um, Irv Smith, not for nothing, did get a target in the red zone. I know it was only one, but Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 14 times. So still got my hope out for Irv. Shout out to Irv. Um, to the Lions side of the ball, you know, you got all these people jumping on this Marvin Jones bandwagon. 
How can you start Marvin Jones when he did nothing really this season without Kenny Galladay the first few weeks with Matt Stafford? And now we're going to put, I don't even know who's second on their depth chart, if it's still David Blau or what, but you're going to put someone like that under center and expect Marvin Jones to like be good. I'm not touching Marvin Jones this week. Uh, the only lion I'm touching, in fact, is DeAndre Swift, um, who is continuing to make strides as a player and become more involved in the offense. Um, my stock has been rising on DeAndre Swift for a couple of weeks now. Um, I understand he played Indy last week, and he only had six rush attempts f- for one yard. But he played Indy, and it was a weird game script type game. <sighs> okay, I'll apologize again because that was a big one. I wasn't able to talk through it. <laughs> um, but he did get four targets, three receptions, and 20 yards through the air. So worth noting that they were trying to get him involved. It was just not a run game script. They lost by 20 points. So it was not a big run game script type game. And when you're in a target share, um, a carry share, excuse me, and you're losing, you're not going to get more than six or seven carries. So that's the risk you run, but I think they'll run more against Minnesota, and I think Swift will be continue, um, continually incorporated into the passing game. So I am okay starting Swift as a low-end RB2 flex play, um, but temper your expectations on that. And other than that, I'm not touching a lion, except maybe TJ Hawkinson. No, you know what? I am starting TJ Hawkinson. I said I'd start him over Mark Andrews earlier. That should tell you how much I little I think of Mark Andrews this week. Now watch him go score three touchdowns. But, yeah, you know what? You can start TJ Hawkinson because he's a reliable red zone target. They continue to try to get him the ball, especially in the red zone. And um, backup quarterbacks love tight ends. So Hawkinson's a good play this week. Hawkinson, low end Swift, nobody else. And on the Vikings side of the ball, like mentioned earlier, you got Cook, you got Thielen, you got Jefferson. I got the Vikings. Jackson has the Vikings. Jackson has the Vikings? I can't even remember. I looked that up. Yo, this sucks. One person podcasting. Holy moly. Yeah, he does. Okay. Cool. So we're going to move to the next game, 11 a.m. Last morning game of the slate. We love it. You love to see it. It's the Texans visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Texans are seven-point favorites at one and six against the 1-6 and six Jaguars. The over-under is 50-and-a-half. And the reason is Mike – oh, I'm sorry. Not Mike Lennon. It's like Mike Luton, rhymes with gluten, is uh, going to be the starting quarterback for the Jaguars. And for that reason, Jackson made his must-sit um, DJ Chark this week. And frankly, I don't blame him. I think this guy's going to dump off a lot. Um, I think the running back is going to catch a lot of passes. I think, um, you know, Chris Thompson might see some work, but James Robinson's going to be a great play. They're going to rely on him to run the offense through. As for the Texans' side of the ball, and you're obviously not starting anyone else on the Jaguars. As for the Texans' side of the ball, um, Will Fuller continues to perform, man. I... Only fear with Will Fuller is that he was such a high topic of trade that there may be some, not bad blood, but I don't know, like some some tough air with the Texans because he's going to feel like he's not wanted now. Um, and on top of that, 
Brandon Cooks has been seeing more and more work, um, but nonetheless, sorry, I got a text from my client again. Yes, I would love to let me finish what I'm doing. Be out soon. Cool. Um, he only had six targets and three receptions versus Green Bay, but he did get a touchdown, which saved his day. He ended up with um, just over 10. He had 11 half PPR fantasy points uh, before the bye. And then they tried to trade him during the bye. This Jacksonville matchup is a smash matchup. He is currently um, the wide receiver 15 on the season. You know, he's averaging... Come on, it always defaults to standard points. I hate that. He's currently the wide receiver 16 and a half PPR, and he's averaging 13 and a half points. So I think you got to keep rolling him out there. Um and Brandon Cooks, on the contrary, is the wide receiver 32, averaging 10, but that's because he was not used for a few weeks. Let's talk about Brandon Cooks, yo. He's been a, he's been a one before. He's been really good at being a one. Um, he got a little bit of injury history when he played for L.A. I was high on him this year because I thought he might take over as the one and fill that DeAndre Hopkins role, and he started to. The last three weeks, 12 targets, 9 targets, 9 targets. 26 fantasy points, 17 fantasy points, and then he only had nine. Um, he didn't get a touchdown this past week against Green Bay. Um, but he's getting more and more involved in this offense, and Deshaun Watson is slinging um, without Bill O'Brien there to hinder his ability to play football. So fire up Brandon Cooks, too. I like them both this week. Um, we're back on the tight end split, so I don't like either of the tight ends for the Texans. Um, which brings us right to Mr. David Johnson. As the running back, obviously you're starting Deshaun Watson um, as the quarterback, by the way. But this brings us to David Johnson, yo, because David Johnson seems like he's so much better than, say, like a David Montgomery even. But I don't know that he is, yo. Like, he's old, he's slow. His yards per carry is 3.9 on the season, um, he's run the ball 100 times. He doesn't even have 400 yards. Um, but he gets a lot of work. Last three weeks, 17, 19, 14 attempts. Um, only one touchdown over those three games. And he hasn't been under 10 fantasy points in half PPR since week two. And that's the only week he was. Um, other than that, 18, 11, 10, 11, 13, 14. So, I, I mean, you're going to keep starting David Johnson and being happy about it, but not soup like you're not there's no ceiling with David Johnson it's all floor um so just understand that you're getting a floor from him and if you're cool with that then you rock with it I was trying to get him in that league where I traded for Damian Harris and J.K. Dobbins because Zeke was not doing it and I only had one playable running back and I was like you know I'll take a 10 to 12 point floor um in half PPR so that's more like a 15 point floor in full PPR which is honestly pretty solid so um yeah keep starting David Johnson I'm gonna take the Texans to win this game they're seven point favorites which is kind of nuts but um you know it is how it is and uh I don't think they should be seven point favorites but I think they're gonna win and uh, okay I take it back if Mr. Gluten is starting and not Gardner so Seven points is fine. They're going to win. I mean, it's not like the Mike Gluten-led uh, Jaguars are going to beat the Texans. But, I mean, I guess we'll see. 
Um, Jaguars side of the ball, we already talked about it, but just to reiterate, you're starting James Robinson and absolutely nobody else, period. Um, none of the receivers. Is someone going to catch a touchdown? Probably. Is there a chance it's DJ Chark as, like, the number one target and best player on that team? Sure. Um, but could he just as easily go two for 13? Yeah, so don't do it. You just don't play with fire. Don't play with fire unless you have to play with fire. That's what I've learned about fantasy football. Don't get crazy. Um, moving along to the afternoon slate, we have the Miami Dolphins visiting Glendale, Arizona to play the Arizona Cardinals, who are 5-2. and two. Dolphins are 4-3, and three, but now they have Tua. Arizona's favored by 4.5 points. The over-under is only 48.5. Now, here's my take on the Dolphins, which is very different from Jackson's because he loves Tua and the Dolphins. Dolphins offense. We didn't get to see it last week, right? Um, Tua barely had to throw. And some people are saying he looks super good because he won, which is dumb. And some people are saying he looks super bad because he didn't throw a lot, which is also dumb. The defense won that game for them. You know, they didn't have to do anything. So they didn't, which is fine. Um, but now this is a Miles Gaskinless offense. So the, the backfield gets a little interesting. Um, I think Breed is the guy. I think he's the starter. It's, it's tough. Jordan Howard probably gets some work. Uh, Patrick Laird could always take some, some touches. But I think Breed is kind of the number two guy. So if you have to pivot to another Miami running back, I think Breida is the play, unless you really want to take a risk on a goal line touchdown from Howard and that they give him that rollback. But I don't know that they will. I mean, they already took it from him and gave it to Gaskin when they could have just kept giving him the ball on the goal line. So um, there's no reason to believe. Oh, this just in, Dolphins lose Breida to a hammy injury. Okay, this is now very interesting. I guess you're playing Patrick Laird. I mean, he's going to get all the work, and it's Tua. So I guess you fire up Patrick Laird as an RB2. Hot take right there. You heard it here first. Um, Receivers, I I wouldn't trust anyone other than Devontae Parker until we see more from Tua. He caught the touchdown on his limited work. No one else did a thing in that receiving game. And again, I know it's game script, but... Just wait and see. Don't start anyone other than Devontae Parker at receiver from the Dolphins for a minute. Um, and you're not streaming Tua. Please don't. Um, I wouldn't stream Mike Kosicki either. Not great. Uh, to the Cardinals side of the ball, Kyler Murray is the number one overall fantasy player, and that is just absolutely glorious for all Cardinal fans and Kyler owners. Um, he's matchup proof. You fire him up every week. He is what people drafted Lamar to be, and this is the problem. And next year, Kyler Murray is going to go in the second and third round, and he's probably going to have a regression year because that's football. Um, so take my advice now. Accept this in your heart. You are not going to have Kyler Murray on your fantasy team next year if you're smart because he's going to go way too high. Enjoy him if you have him, and then part your ways because he's going to go too high. Maybe you can trade for him if he's low. But he's not going to do what he's doing now next year, but I'm not going to rant about that now. He's excellent now. Keep playing. DeAndre Hopkins can always win you a week. Um, Kyler Murray's true throw value has come up significantly. He was in, like, the mid-30s when he, you know, through the first few games, and now he's in, like, the 20s. So he's uh, throwing better, and it's showing. DeAndre Hopkins is playing well. Christian Kirk is even getting involved. Um, 
The real story here is the backfield, and it's Chase Edmonds, and he is my must-start of the week. Um, In the absence of Kenyon Drake, he's going to get all of the work, and on top of that, the Cardinals beat reporters announced officially that the backup to Chase Edmonds today is more Chase Edmonds. They don't have another plan. He is going to get all of the reps, and then they're going to get creative probably with some receivers and some jet sweeps and stuff. Chase Edmonds is getting all the work on this great offense. Um, and I'm here for it, yo. They're, they're an awesome team. They're firing on all cylinders. They're coming off that huge win against the Seahawks, and then they got a bye to follow, to rest, to, to get relocked in. I'm taking the Cardinals this week, and Jackson's hot take of the week is the Dolphins continue to reign over this division. They've knocked out um, the Rams, and they've knocked out the Niners, and he said they're going to come and knock out the Cardinals. And I simply, without Ryan Fitzpatrick, I could not disagree more. In fact, I'm going to make a prospective bet with Jackson. Since he made it his hot take, um, I'll let him rebut if he doesn't want to take this bet. But I'm gonna, just going to simply bet that the Cardinals win this week. And um, he's going to bet the other way, probably. So let's, let's put a bet down, Jackson. I know you're listening, so text me right now while you're listening. Um, I'm taking the Cardinals. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Next afternoon game, we only got a few more on the slate. We have the Raiders playing the Chargers in Inglewood, L.A., California. Another even game. Even games are fun. Over-unders 51.5. Derek Carr is my QB streamer of the week. He has been throwing super well, and we talked about the weather being a factor last week, and then holy moly was it a feather. A feather. Was the weather a factor? Um, neither team could do anything through the air last week, which happens when there's 40 mile per hour winds in the stadium and you have to hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs 31 times. Um, Derek Carr is my stream of the week, though, at quarterback because you probably can't stream Herbert anymore, um, who is the other really good play in this week. Fun fact. These two teams, the Raiders and the Chargers, are 31st and 32nd in points allowed to the quarterback in fantasy this year. Yes, the two worst teams playing each other. That over one of 51.5 looks so juicy. I think they're going to blow it out of the water. I bet this is a 70-point game. Um, I don't know who to pick, though. It's very tough. Very tough for me. Derek Carr, though, stream of the week. Josh Jacobs, if you're going to involve him in the passing game, yo, this is the freaking time. I don't know why they don't want to do it because he's a good pass catcher. He's not bad. They just don't use him there. And the problem is is if he doesn't get in the end zone because he catches zero passes, he'll rush 31 times and end up with a stat line of 12.9 points because he doesn't even get targets, yo. Like, he had one target for zero ca- uh, catches last week. And, again, I know it was a the weather game and stuff, but, you know, dump-offs are dump-offs. 31 for 129 is not even great either. It's fine. It's 4.2. But the bet- most efficient Josh Jacobs has been all season is 4.4. Even that first monster week he had, he went 25 for 93, which is 3.7 yards per attempt. The only reason... He um, had such a great fantasy day because he he scored three times, which obviously you can't count on because he's only scored twice since then, and they were both in the game against Kansas City when the score was mad high, and he ran again for 3.3 yards per carry. 
I traded for Josh Jacobs in a league, and I'm very upset that I did. I, I took the fool's gold, yo. He's not good. Okay, he's good. Sorry. He's not efficient, and he doesn't run efficiently, and he's never going to produce for your team in an efficient way unless they get him involved in the passing game. So you can only hope that they do. He's gotten less involved every single week in the passing game. So, But you're playing him because you have to, and uh, hopefully he has a safe enough floor to keep you buoyed. Um, the receiving options are interesting because I think Nelson Aguilar has a good game, you know. I really do, and... He, I, I had him in for a good game last week. He's looked really good, but again, we're just throwing the weather game out. Um, he's been David, David Carr, good God. He's been Derek Carr's favorite target outside of uh, Darren Waller. He's like the mid to deep ball kind of guy. He can break off a big play. I like Nelson Aguilar this week. Henry Ruggs is always a good play. Um, I'm sorry, always a good dart throw play. And I think this week, again, with the way that these defenses are giving up points to the quarterback, this week is as good as any for him to catch a touchdown. So fire up rugs as a, as a touchdown-dependent flex if you want to get risky and have a little fun. Um, Aguilar is good, and Darren Waller is a smash tight end play this week, which is excellent for your fantasy team. Um, in other words, start your Raiders, yo. I mean, I wouldn't even hate Hunter Renfro. It's like, you know, that's fine. He's a he's a PPR floor kind of guy. So start Hunter Renfro if you feel like it. Um, over to the Chargers side of the ball, Justin Herbert is slaying. He is throwing the ball majestically. He looks incredible. And um, Keenan Allen is um, an incredible play. You know, no doubt about it. Keenan Allen, I wouldn't be shocked if he finished – um, in the top 10 this year, he has been very, 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 very good. And I'm excited to see what he continues to do with a developing Herbert. Um, he's the wide receiver 14 on the year in half PPR. He's averaging 13.9 um, fantasy points per game. And that's with a bye week. A lot of guys don't have a bye week yet. His target share he had one week with two targets. Outside of that, the lowest he had was eight, and then he went 10, 11, 12, 13, and 19. He's getting tons of targets. Um, he's a very safe play, and he's very, very good, and if he finds the end zone, he's going to have an excellent day, and you're going to be very, very um, happy with it. Another interesting play is Mike Williams. Look, Justin Herbert seemed to be like a... Um, funnel kind of guy, I think, you know, throwing to only, you know, his running back, his tight end, and his number one receiver. But what we're seeing is that the victim of this has actually been Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry has had an awful season. And if I told you that how bad he was doing, you probably wouldn't believe it. Um, but he is the tight end Expert consensus ranking seven, which just absolutely blows my mind. Um, but he's not having a great year, yo. He's the tight end 15 on the season, and tight ends are bad. He's behind Tyler Higby. He's behind um, Jared Cook, who's only played six games. He's behind Noah Fant, who's only played six games. He, you know, he's not good. He's barely ahead of Evan Ingram. 
and Mike Gesicki. Like, Hunter Henry's been bad, which means you probably don't want to play him, but you definitely want to play Mike Williams, I think, because Mike Williams makes highlight reel catches constantly. He makes hard catches look spectacular. He makes easy catches look spectacular. He is a great wide receiver. I just was always unsure about how and if they were going to use him. And it looks like Herbert likes to throw to him, so fire up Mike Williams if you're, if you're feeling frisky. You know, that's a good play, I think. Um, and then the backfield is where it gets interesting. Josh Kelly is bad. Uh, he's bad, and he hasn't been part of this offense for a couple of weeks now. Um, and rightfully so, you know. He's, he's the worst-looking running back on that field. And, you know, for a while it seemed like he was going to be the early down guy. Justin Jackson was going to kind of fill the Eckler role. Um, Tremaine Pope came in and looked way better than Kelly and got a lot of work. Now, he's doubtful, so Kelly's still going to get the, the secondary touches. Um, but Jackson's the guy to play. If you have Justin Jackson, fire him up. Um, hopefully Austin Eckler comes back soon. But fire up Justin Jackson for now in his stead. Um, I think I just talked myself into the Chargers. Um, I have a hard time betting against Justin Herbert at this point. He is playing so well. Um, but I like both teams in this game. I wouldn't hate you if you took either of them. It's going to be a fun one to watch and um, pay attention to. So I'll take the Chargers, as will my co-host Jackson Hesse. We miss you, my friend. Um, moving right along to the Steelers visiting Dallas, favored by 14.5 points. Holy moly. And the over-under is 42.5. Um, Jackson and I are obviously both taking the Steelers in this game. The Steelers are the best team in football. They're 7-0. It's easy. Cowboys are 2-6. and six. They have the worst defense in football. It's easy. This is math. Do not start your Cowboys. On top of everything, Zeke is now questionable with an injury. I don't know if I believe that. I think they might just try and be safe face with him. Who the hell knows? Don't start a single Cowboy. You can't. You literally can't. I, I don't care how much you tell me that um, Michael Gallup had 13 targets from Ben DiNucci last week. I don't care. Cooper Rush is going to start for this team. Cooper Rush is going to start for this team. Do you know where Cooper Rush went to college? Northern Arizona University. Okay? that The dude's like... Have you? No, he didn't. I'm mixing him up with Cooper, a different Cooper. Where did Cooper Rush go to college? Central Michigan. Ah, home of Dan Marley. Ugh, yuck. <laughs> um, Cooper Rush, you know, who is he? Who knows? What's he going to do? Absolutely nothing. They, The Cowboys said they wanted to go with Cooper Rush because they wanted to go with someone with more experience. The guy's thrown three snaps in his life. It, it blows my mind. Um... It's like they're, they're tanking on the season. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they tanked all the way to Trevor and um, didn't pay Dak, which would be a damn shame because Dak is a talent. But they can get Trevor for free if they tank. So we'll see how that goes. But don't start a single Cowboy, period. Don't do it. I know you think you can and you should, and it, Cowboys fans don't want to hear this, but your team sucks on both sides of the ball now. It used to be just the defense. Now your offense sucks. You can't start him. I'm sorry. You can't. Um, to the Steelers' side of the ball, that means you can pretty much start everybody. The only thing that gets tricky is the carousel of wide receivers. If I had to rank them, I'm going Deontay, Claypool, and then Juju. Why? The Cowboys, the only redeeming quality from their defense has been against the slot, and that's where Juju lines up. That's the only thing they've done decently this year. 
So they're going to suffer there. Deontay, I know he didn't do almost anything last week, but they played the Ravens, you know? That's a super stout defense, and weird things are going to happen. Every other game, Deontay's gotten double-digit targets. He's the guy. He was suffering with a little bit of injuries. My only concern with Deontay is that he seems to always get hurt. Um, I'm a big injury-prone-isn't-a-thing guy. You know, some people just get unlucky a lot. Um, I mean, some people are more brittle bone than others, I guess, but Deontay's injuries have been concussions, and then it's a hamstring. You know, it's not like he's just always hurting muscles or something like that. So Deontay's my guy, and then Claypool, and then Juju. Um, This is a great week to start Eric Ebron as a tight end. Cowboys have been really bad against the tight end as well. And the rush, James Conner, looks excellent, and he looks healthy. And let's just hope that he can do it for the whole season because James Conner is an incredible talent and player. Shout-out to James Conner. Please stay healthy. You've been great. Keep being great. Big Ben's a good streamer because he's going to throw at least three touchdowns, if you want my honest opinion. Um, so stream Big Ben if you, if you feel like it. He hasn't been hitting a lot of ceilings, but he's playing the Cowboys, yo. Just do it. It's fine. Don't overthink it. Don't get too cute. All right. That concludes the regular games. We move on to Sunday Night Football with Carrie Underwood, my fave. Um, the Saints are visiting Tampa Bay. Four-and-a-half-point favorites, Tampa Bay. Over-unders, 50.5. This makes no sense to me, yo. The Saints get Michael Thomas back the week after the Buccaneers almost lose and should have lost to the 1-7 New York Giants, and they're four-and-a-half-point favorites with the same amount of losses on the season? What? That's that's absolutely wild to me. I picked the Saints to win this game. Um, I don't care that Jackson picked the Buccaneers, by the way. I don't care that Chris Godwin's probably coming back. Um, Mike Evans looks bad. He doesn't get separation, okay? He's a big body. He can outjump anyone. He doesn't get separation on his routes, and he's probably going to fight Marshawn Lattimore and get kicked out of this game again, which would be mad fun to watch. But um, Antonio Brown... Look, if you want to start Antonio Brown, I'm not going to stop you. But I don't want to do it. He could so easily come out and play 33% of snaps like he did in his one game with the Patriots. And, yeah, he got eight targets and a touchdown in that game. But everyone's talking about how, oh, that's what he did. That was the Patriots. That was Bill Belichick scheming. That was not Bruce Arians, and it was not Tampa Bay. I don't care that it was Tom Brady throwing. It's a different team. And I know Tom has a lot of pull, but it's a completely different team. With you know, there were no receivers on that team other than Julian Edelman. You know, now you got to share with Gronk, who's playing super well, Godwin, who's coming back, Evans, who's um, you know still a big body and a big red zone target. Like, why are we just going to assume Antonio Brown is instantly going to be open on every play and get eight targets in a third of the snaps? Like, no, thank you. So, start him if you want. I don't really want to. Um, the backfield got dicey again because Rojo did something bad, and then Fournette got more touches again. So we're back to the Who's going to get the touches? I don't really know. I think similar to the Clyde Le'Veon situation, I think you can trust both of these guys as low-end RB2s, and um, hopefully one of them blows up or starts to kind of take advantage over the other. Until then, there's really no way to know. So that's kind of what you're rolling with in the Buccaneers' backfield. Um, You can start Tom Brady because he's got great receiving options. This is a a 50.5-point over-under, and I think I'm going to hit that over because I think there's going to be a ton of points in this game. Uh, the Bucks' defense was underwhelming last week against the Giants, and now they're playing the Saints, and they're playing 
the offensive player of the year shoe-in, Alvin Kamara, who makes football look like he could do it with his eyes closed. The guy does everything, and he's incredible. Drew Brees is a good quarterback when Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara are his weapons. So even though he's old, it doesn't really matter. Jared Cook has a touchdown in three straight weeks now. You're starting him, and you're happy about it. Um, No other receiving options for this Saints team. Um, You just can't do it. So I take the Saints. Jackson takes the Bucks, and we see how it goes from there. And finally, that takes us to our Monday night football game. The Patriots travel to the MetLife turf to play the Jets, where they are, they being the Patriots, are the eight-point favorites, and the over-under is 42. Look, the Jets are so bad, and the fact that Adam Gase still has a job means that whoever runs the Jets obviously doesn't care about destroying their fan base and any locker room camaraderie they have just to get one first-round pick. Who's not even going to want to be a Jet? Because what a trash franchise to be a part of. But nonetheless, Adam Gase is still employed, and you're not starting any of these Jets options. I'm so glad Jackson's not here to talk about Frank Gore. I'm so sick and tired of Jackson talking about Frank Gore. We want to have some fun. I say we have some fun. Let's pull up Frank Gore's stat lines for the season, even though this is probably a waste of your time. I'll make it 30 seconds or less, okay? We'll switch to half PPR right quick. Here we go. 10 attempts last week, 30 yards, 3 points. Week before, 11 attempts, 60 yards, 6 points. The week before that, 11 attempts, 46 yards, 4 receptions on 4 targets, 9 points. And I'll just go quicker. Three points, four points, six points, six points, two points. No. Get out of here with Frank Gore. Get out of here with little Michael P. Ryan. It was sort of a thing for a second. It's not a thing. And not against the Patriots defense either. Patriots are going to run away with this game. They're going to run all over. Damian Harris is a great play. I like Cam Newton against the Jets because he's going to be able to run or pass whatever he feels like doing because he can do whatever he wants against the Jets. The Jets are so bad, yo. And they don't have any receiving options on the Patriots either. So who's going to catch the passes? I don't really know. Maybe it's James White. Maybe it's a combination of James White and Rex Burkhead and Damian Harris. And I have no idea. But they're just going to run. They're going to run, 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 run. Cam Newton's going to run. Damian Harris is going to run. It's glorious. Start those two guys and be happy about it. I have the Pats to win. There's no way Jackson picked the Jets. I don't even have to check the record. Um... So, Pats are going to win this game easy and then start the Patriots defense, obviously, um, because that's usually a smash play. And that does it for our game previews. That was a lot to get through, guys. Thanks for bearing with. Um, We're going to hit these lines real quick and then the touchdown draft, and then I'll let you crack a beer and enjoy your Friday. We covered the must-starts, must-sits. So, just to recap, start Chase Edmonds, start Zach Moss, sit DJ Chark, Sit. I called an audible. Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley. Yeah, I had someone else written down. Sit Todd Gurley. Uh, and sit all your Cowboys, too. That'd be fun. Jackson's first line is the Ravens minus one against the Colts. They're now even, which is an even better line. So hit that. Hit that hard. Ravens are going to win. I mean, they're a much better team. Hit that line for sure. My first line is the Giants minus two and a half. Um, the way they played against the Bucs, I'm not going to bet the Washington football team, who's barely any better than they are, to win by three points or more. Like, It's going to be a tight game. It'll probably come down to a last-minute field goal. The Giants might lose, but whatever. It's fine. 
Um, Jackson's second pick is the Broncos plus four. Again, I don't know how the Falcons are favored in this game. I guess it's because they're home. But the Broncos still have the number one rush defense, so um, they're presumably going to shut down this rushing offense. And uh, hopefully Drew Locke can get her done. But plus four is a good line for those Broncos. So I like that as well. My second line is the Bears minus six and a half. I know I said I'd stop betting on the Bears, but I don't think they're going to win. I just think six and a half points is a lot of points for a team that has played some good games and has a really good defense um, playing against the Titans who just got exposed by the Bengals big time. They had an awful game. So could the Titans bounce back and win by 50? Sure, but the Bears have a very, very good defense, so I like six and a half points there. Jackson's lock of the week is the Chargers minus one against the Raiders. They are now even as well. Again, a better line. Um, he says they're hungry after last week's embarrassment. I would concur. I decided to take the Chargers as well. And the embarrassment was not that they're not playing super well. The embarrassment was that they found a way to choke away the game. Poor coaching, poor play calling, poor everything, and they lost 31-30 to to those Broncos who are favored to lose to the Falcons' El Mayo. So um, that's Jackson's lock of the week. And my lock of the week is the Saints plus four and a half. Um, we talked about this game just a couple of minutes ago. Um, I, I don't see how they are four and a half dogs to the Bucks right now. So just hit that, hit that hard. Jackson's touchdown draft, AFC, he took Justin Jackson from the Chargers and NFC, he took Christian McCaffrey in his return. I will be drafting Nelson Aguilar of the Raiders. We talked about this already. Glorious matchup. Derek Carr's my quarterback start of the week. Very excited about it. And my NFC pick is Alvin Kamara. I've picked him once before, but he did not score, and he hasn't scored a touchdown in three weeks, and he's still been ridiculously good, okay? Can we talk about Alvin Kamara for like half a second and just give him the respect and praise he deserves? This guy has carried his entire team to everything they've done well all year. His Half PPR output the past few weeks has been 20.8, 18.8, and 15.9, and he did it without touchdowns. In week three, he had a 38-point game without a rushing touchdown. He caught touchdowns in that game instead because he just felt like it. The guy is a machine, and he's playing Tampa Bay in a big score game. He is going to score a touchdown, and I am stoked to watch it happen. Lastly, Jackson's hot take of the week is, we talked about this, that the Dolphins beat the Cardinals, and I could not disagree more. Shout out to AZ, Bird Gang. Guys, that's it. That's our week eight. Week eight? No. Week nine, Mike. Week nine preview. We are halfway through the season, okay? The data's in. Forget your draft capital. Forget who you drafted where. It's time to make smart decisions. If you want to win at fantasy football, you have to be unbiased. Water always finds its level, okay? Guys who start really, really hot, probably going to cool down. Guys who are really, really talented and have started really, really slow, probably going to speed up a little bit. And guys who have just not done it up to this point probably are just not going to do it. Don't use your draft bias and the fact that you're upset that you took Lamar way too early as an excuse to keep rolling him out there, okay? Got to be smart here. That's it, guys. That's it. The free ball zone is closed. Put your pants back on. Crack a beer. Happy Friday. 
Happy Saturday if you're listening tomorrow. Enjoy the games on Sunday, and we will see you back next week. We will actually have one next week, I promise. We will see you back next week for the recap. Oh,